Hey, it's Kaylee Cuoco for Priceline. Ready to go to your happy place for a happy price? Well, why didn't you say so? Just download the Priceline app right now and save up to 60% on hotels. So whether it's Cousin Kevin's Kazoo concert in Kansas City, go Kevin! Or Becky's Bachelorette Bash in Bermuda. You never have to miss a trip ever again. So download the Priceline app today. Your savings are waiting. Go to your happy place for a happy price. Go to your happy price, Priceline. Good evening. Welcome to the Hoosier Huddle podcast as we get ready for the Indiana-Cincinnati game. I'm Sammy Jacobs. Along with me is TJ Inman, uh, and we're here to break down Indiana's trip to Cincinnati, to Nippert Stadium on Saturday. The game kicks off at 3.30 p.m., and it will be on ESPN2. Uh, so, it, TJ, Indiana comes in at 3-0, and a close, thrilling win over Cincinnati, uh, or, sorry, over Western Kentucky to, to go 3-0. and um, IU does head to Cincinnati, who is and 2-1. They are just outside of the top 25 still uh, after losing that opener to, to uh, Arkansas. Cincinnati had trouble with uh, Miami of Ohio last week. They were down 17-7 early, came back uh, and won 38-17. Uh, what is your, your take? You know, the court, the season is, is at the quarter pole. What's your take on the I, right. IU at the quarter pole? And then what's your take, early take on Indiana uh, heading down to Nifford Stadium? Right, yeah. I mean, we, we talked before the season began about, you know, breaking down this 2022 campaign into quarters uh, is kind of a, a rational way of looking at it. And I think the only clear path to a bowl game that we saw was, ones that started with Indiana finishing that first quarter of the season at three and zero, which we, we kind of viewed Idaho as the game that was, Hey, that's one, you know, Indiana really just flat out. You can't lose that Illinois toss up uh, a game that Indiana can get, but it's going to be tough. And then Western Kentucky, a home game, one that's going to be tough, but one that Indiana should win Um, Illinois squeak out, find a way to survive that one uh, with a good final drive. Idaho, terrible first half, really good second half, and you get out of there with the win uh, without too terribly much stress late in that game. Uh, And then, of course, Western Kentucky, I think it's fair to call that a great escape on Saturday. Um, But bottom line, you get out of there accomplishing exactly what you had to. You're 3-0. Now, is there perfection by any means? Absolutely not. Uh, are there, I think you have to go out of it looking at uh, a lot of positives. The offense has definitely gotten better. Um, you know, th- this offense compared to 2021, certainly more dangerous, better quarterback play, better wide receiver play. Uh, I think that the offensive line pass blocking is improved. Uh, they deserve credit for that despite being banged up, you know, a third string center, Caleb Murphy taking snaps uh, on Saturday, getting the start as Zach Carpenter was injured and Cameron Knight is injured. Um, And then you've lost your right tackle as well. So despite that, the pass blocking, I think, has largely been pretty good. Uh, Not great, but pretty good. Uh, The run blocking still leaves a lot to be desired, in my opinion. Um, 
So positives and negatives on that side. The defense, um, you know, a bag. I think they've played really well at times. Uh, I think that they're still, you know, not getting a lot of pressure on the quarterback outside of some really outstanding play from Desan McCullough. Uh, I think that the run defense is a concern for me at this point in time. Chase Brown carved him up, which he's going to do to a lot of people. Uh, they were pretty good against Idaho in that front, but Western Kentucky, uh, you know, part of it is Indiana being really concerned about the quick passing game of the Hilltoppers. It was causing them a lot of problems, made some adjustments to try and take that away. And when they made those adjustments, Western Kentucky took advantage uh, to the tune of, you know, six yards a carry, which quite frankly cannot happen against that offense. Uh, so, you know, again, a mixed bag. You're looking at some positives. You're looking at some negatives. The bottom line is you get out of that first quarter of the season, accomplishing what you had to your three and O heading to Cincinnati. Um, and then I, I failed to mention the special teams play. Clearly that's a major positive. Uh, it's a huge reason why they won that game on Saturday. You get the block kick after the missed kick by Western Kentucky. And then Charles Campbell goes four for four, including the incredible game winner uh, to, to escape with that 33 to 30 victory. So um, I, I'm encouraged by things, but Indiana, you know, the coaches and players know this. They've said this. They've got a lot that needs to be cleaned up if they're going to get the other half of those three, those six wins and get to bowl eligibility because the schedule coming up uh, certainly gets only tougher from here. Yeah, I, I thought it was a, a good win uh, against Western Kentucky. It didn't look like it was going to be a win. Uh, down 11 points right. in the fourth quarter, uh, and, and they kind of saved their own bacon. Uh, you know, one special teams play you didn't mention, TJ, was James Evans' punt. Uh, getting Western Kentucky pinned yeah. the two. He's been a lot more consistent, a lot better this year. Uh, if Indiana's yeah. special teams outside of the kickoffs out of bounds play like they did on Saturday, that should go a long way uh, to, to um, helping them either stay in the game or beating Cincinnati uh, as well. They got two timely takeaways as well. Um, you know, the, down 11 with Western Kentucky going in for a score, either a field goal or, or a touchdown. And Miles Jackson comes up with a pick in the end zone. Uh, that that saved the yeah. game there, too. Uh, Cincinnati turns the ball over. They, they average two tur uh, turnovers a game. Quick note on that play. Uh, there was a 94.8% uh, win probability for Western Kentucky when that ball was snapped. Uh, that was the, the high watermark or low point for Indiana, if you will, in terms of win probability. Uh, it was 94.8% in favor of the Hilltoppers. I think it was second in goal from the six, I want to say, maybe the eight. Uh, when Austin Reed, again, Indiana got some pressure on that play. Reed was flushed out and made the mistake. I think he was feeling really good about the way things were going. He played really well. Uh, he got a little greedy and threw it back across his body, back across the field, and Miles Jackson made him pay. It was a huge play uh, to keep Indiana alive. They had a few of those, you know, just kept themselves alive, continued to have a chance, 
and then again, just like they did against Illinois, made the plays when they absolutely had to. Um, I just wanted to throw in that win probability number, uh, 94.8% likelihood for Western Kentucky to win that game. And IU finds a way to pull it out. So, you know, that it's just a huge deal. You're right though. Uh, props to James Evans, James Evans. He's been really good so far this season. Yeah, he has. And that win probability, I mean, it, it's, they they pulled another victory out of the jaws of defeat, and that's something that IU has rarely done in their history. Um, and if you go back uh-huh. and look at last year, you're probably looking at an IU team who's 0-3 or at, at, at best 1-2 and uh, with a win over Idaho. Right. But that Idaho team is, is tough. They um, they won 42-14 last week, and they're going to knock some uh, knock off some FCS foes as, as well. Um, but let's let's yep. uh, move on to the Cincinnati game. Cincinnati is two and one with wins over Kennesaw State and Miami of Ohio. Uh, their loss came on the road opening weekend at Arkansas. They have a new quarterback, Ben Bryant, uh, sort of new. Uh, he he was uh, Cincinnati originally went to Eastern Michigan and is back now at Cincinnati starting. Um, so you could call him a quasi new quarterback to the system. He's completing 70% of his passes, uh, has seven touchdowns, two interceptions, uh, 863 yards. So that's 8.9 yards per attempt. Uh, they throw the ball around 32, 33 times per game. Um, you know, they've turned the ball over a lot, though, TJ. Looking at it, they average two, uh, two turnovers on offense per game. Um, they, they've lost four fumbles uh, and two interceptions, and they're, they're minus two in the turnover margin. So the, the recipe for an IU win is there. Win on special teams, take the ball away, uh, and, and that seems like a, a recipe they've fo- IU has followed for most of the season outside of that uh, Idaho game was play better special teams. Uh, you did that against Illinois, um, and, and you did that against – Western Kentucky as well, and then get uh, the takeaways. You get four against the Illini and two against Western Kentucky, and that's the game right there. So it's a recipe that Tom Allen's used to, and, uh, you know, Cincinnati's been putting the ball on the ground. They, they have a, a lot of new faces. Charles McClellan's their, their number one running back, averages 6.3 yards per carry. They got Corey Kiner. Uh, from LSU averaging five yards per carry. Uh, Miles Montgomery doesn't touch the ball often, but he's averaging 11, uh, 11 yards a touch. Uh, Evan Prater, their backup quarterback, is you know probably not going to play, but he, he's, he's got 18 yards uh, carry as well. What, um, what are the differences between Cincinnati this year and Cincinnati last year outside of you know, all that talent they lost to the NFL, they're still a pretty good team. Absolutely. Yeah, they are. You mentioned Evan Prater. Uh, he was in the quarterback competition with Bryant, offers more of a dual threat, uh, not as accurate of a passer. They went with the veteran Bryant over Prater. Um, you know, it's, it's possible if their offense is struggling that we see Prater get in there, but uh, that would be, that would mean really good things for Indiana because it means that They've kind of forced Cincinnati into desperation mode. Uh, Look, they're going to run a balanced attack. Um, You mentioned the three running backs. I 
I think they're pretty good. I mean, McClellan is a tough guy to bring down. This is going to be a, a certainly the most physical offensive line uh, that IU has seen so far. Um, they do not have, you know, a, a difference maker like a Chase Brown that Indiana ran into in week one. But overall on offense, I think this is the best running attack that IU will see outside of that singular talent in Brown. Um or has seen so far, not not the rest of the way, but just so far. So it's going to be crucial for Indiana's run fits and tackling to be a lot better than it has been so far this season. Uh, I, I do have concerns that Cincinnati is going to be able to, you know, maybe consistently kind of bully Indiana's defensive front into you know third and short situations. Um, and if they can consistently stay ahead of chains, you can't really force Cincinnati's offense into those third and medium, third and long opportunities, which you can hopefully get after Bryant. Uh, I do think that this receiver core, not quite what it was last year. I don't think they have the weapons at tight end either. Uh, and then on the other side of the ball, the defense, I think, has taken a little bit of a step back. Uh, I, I they don't pressure the quarterback quite as well as they did last year, at least through three games they haven't. Um, now, what Arkansas was able to do to them is not something that IU can do. Indiana does not have the dual-threat quarterback that Arkansas has. Arkansas is a team that I've watched quite a bit. Yes, they struggled with Missouri State last week, but still, that's a really good offense, and Cincinnati – did okay against them, particularly when breaking in all of their new faces. Ivan Pace is the leading tackler for this team, transfer from Miami of Ohio, uh, at linebacker. Um, good player, really good tackler. But again, I, I think that they, they lack the difference makers in the secondary and at pass rush that they had a season ago. Um, this is not a playoff caliber team as they were in 2022, but you're right. Absolutely still a very good team. I, I think that probably the ceiling for them is 10 wins, uh, going 10 and two, losing a game in the American athletic. Uh, that's a good league, lose a game there. That's probably the ceiling and that's still an awesome year. I could see them losing another hand, another few games though, and, and going like eight and four, which nothing wrong with that at all. Um, it'd be a bit of a step back after reaching the playoff. And of course, they're on their way to the Big 12. Um, so their last season in the American Athletic. Um, look, I think they're just incredibly solid. Luke Fickle does a great job. They, just, they lack those difference makers so far anyway, from what I've seen, uh, that, that can change games kind of single-handedly like they had last season. Uh, in Sauce Gardner, Alec Pierce, uh, those guys. So I think Indiana will have the chance to compete, but if they're going to pull off a big upset, which IU right now, last I looked, it was 17 and a half point favorites to Cincinnati. Uh, if they're going to pull off that big time upset, you're right, it's going to require the takeaways. It's going to require really, really good tackling uh, and an improvement in that run defense. It's going to require some mistakes from Cincinnati, and it's going to require Connor Basilak 
uh, in this IU passing game, really cutting out the errors that have prevented them from having a great season. They've been good so far. There's really been opportunities to be really great. I mean, it is not at all far-fetched to say that this passing attack could be averaging more than 400 yards a game. There have been some opportunities that have been missed. Uh, And Saturday, if they're going to have a chance to get the win, those chances will have to be converted. Guys like Camper, Matthews, McCauley, Simmons, Kobe, uh, and then Basilak throwing the ball, uh, he's got to be accurate, can't have those overthrown passes, which could be lethal uh, against a good secondary. And then when he does put the ball on the spot, receivers have got to hold on to it. Certainly yep. better than it's been a season ago, uh, but there have been you know a few drops. That's going to happen. Nobody's perfect, uh, but to, to pull off a win at Cincinnati, uh, it's not that IU has to play perfect, but they will have to cut out mistakes like that, particularly ones that prevent big plays or, or third down conversions. Um, yeah, there there were a couple know, throws get into, against. Get into our... Go ahead. Yeah, there were a couple throws against Western Kentucky that Connor Bazelak would want back. Uh, one in particular was yeah. down. Um, you know, I think inside IU is a ten or inside ten. Uh, right, I think it was right yeah. before halftime, and he just throws it, and it looks like he's throwing it right into the defensive line, and uh, you know, it, it bobbles and hits the ground. But that play is reminiscent yeah. of like two thousand nine Iowa, where it bounced off of like eighteen people's feet, and somehow Tyler Sash got it and returned it for a touchdown. Those are the throws that yeah. make me nervous. The overthrows, the balls that have kind of just they probably should have been picked, but they bounce around the defender's hands, end up, you know, on the ground uh, and something like that. I'd also like them to see A.J. Barner uh, get more involved in the passing game. It's something to look out for, especially since that injury to James Bomba did not look good. It did not look promising for him to play against Cincinnati. There was no update on Monday on him, Mm -hmm. but Bomba has been IU's main blocking tight end. Uh, it looks like if he's out, they're going to um, take an extra lineman and, and put a, a tight end number on him uh, to do that. But they, you know, keeping A.J. Barner in the block is taking away a major weapon for IU. Uh, Barner only had two yeah. catches for four yards against Western Kentucky. A lot of that was because the defense geared up to defend him. And then he also, once Bomba went out, had to stay in and block. Uh, so that's yeah. going to be a a big deal. Peyton Hendershot hurt this team last year. Uh, Cincinnati being – he had a big game against Cincinnati. So it's – I'd like to see A.J. Barner. I don't think 12 receivers are going to catch passes again. Uh, that was a very high number. But if I you can yep. spread the ball around, like you said, to those guys, but Anderson Kobe's got to hang on to the ball. Emory Simmons has got to hang on to the ball. He's made some spectacular catches, but you got to make the, um, I wouldn't say easy ones, but you, you got to make the routine ones as well. Um, so it, it's going to come back down to who executes better. Um, you know, Indiana's going to go up tempo, which yeah, it scares you a little bit uh, against a team like Cincinnati. You could get down quick, um, especially on the road. Uh, it's going to be loud. It's sold out, uh, I, I believe. And, uh, you know, even though it's Indiana, it's still a Big Ten team coming into Nippert, uh, and those fans are going to be fired up. So, you know, for me, it's got to make the routine plays, settle in, settle down, 
uh, and make it a four quarter game. Now, it, it, does Indiana win? I, I don't know. Uh, but if if you could survive the first seven and a half, eight minutes, uh, Indiana can, it can drag this out to a fourth quarter game. Uh, and look, they've they've won three of those games already this year. They're they're used to it. And I don't care who the opponent is when you know and you believe that, hey, We've done it before. We've come back down from, you know, an 11 point lead, uh, three point or four point or, you know, anything like that. And you just feel good about it. Now, hopefully they don't have to do that, but there is some sense of belief uh, that, hey, we've been here. We've done it. We're going to do it again. Uh, Let's get into matchups to watch, TJ. Um, Who's your matchup to watch this game? Yes, yeah, so I'm going to go with Indiana's uh, Indiana's front seven. I'll say, although I think it is going to be an entire defensive, you know, responsibility uh, tackling against the running game. Indiana's got to do a better job of preventing yards after contact. First guy that gets there, plus whoever else joins him with team pursuit, has got to get the ball carrier on the ground. Uh, that that means better defensive fits up front. Tom Allen talked about that, and he's usually uh, been able to, you know, fix that as the season goes on. Indiana's run defense in most seasons under Tom Allen has gotten better as the year goes on. Uh, We hope that that happens this year, but the tackling has to be better as well. And this is a Cincinnati team that can punish you if you don't tackle well. Uh, So I, I, that's kind of my, my one that stands out. Um, just immediately off the bat, because I think what what the game plan on defense probably needs to be is to force Cincinnati behind the chains. Bryant, Ben Bryant is good, but not particularly mobile. If you can get them into third and long situations and then, you know, unleash some pressure, bring some blitzing and allow, trust your secondary to make those plays on third and long. I think that's Indiana's best chance to get the Bearcats off the field. Yeah, he's not Desmond Ritter. Um, Desmond Ritter was no. a, a great talent. I expect him to be starting for the Falcons sooner rather than later, um, probably. Right. Uh, but, yeah, you, you know, the, you hate to go back to last year's game and say, man, Indiana should have won, but they should have. Uh, and and, and um, it, it's – they they had three trips in the red zone with no points. They turned the ball over. Um, it, it's just yeah, yeah the Michael McFadden uh, ejection as well. So I don't know how much emphasis that I use putting on. Hey, this is a revenge game for us because I don't think it turns out all that well for IU when they do that. Um, right. Usually, you know, you, you kind of get juice so juiced up that you know, after that initial adrenaline rush and, and maybe it lasts for the first, you know, drive or two, it's just a total crash uh, and crash of Bernie. Saw it at Iowa last year um, Mm -hmm. and, and some other games historically in the past, um, it just never turns out well. So, you know, hopefully the coaching staff has, has turned it to, this is the next game. We're going to take Cincinnati as as a uh, it's one game at a time. Last year, you know, it, we're not playing by an aggregate score. 
we're not, it's nothing to do with last year. Um, you know, maybe other than some tendencies and, and things like that. Uh, but my matchup to watch, it's Cam Jones and Aaron Casey uh, against a, that Bearcat offense. So it's sort of the same as you. Aaron Casey had three tackles for loss on, on Saturday. Cam Jones had four or uh, had 13 tackles, including a tackle for loss and a forced fumble when I just desperately needed a turnover. It seems that those two linebackers are willing this defense to, to make the plays when they need to make plays. Um, I thought Aaron Casey should have been credited with the safety uh, on one of the runs. Yeah. Um, it's look the officials for the Western Kentucky game. Uh, I'm sure they're nice folks, but they were bad. Um, so, but they they've yeah. made those plays, and I think in, in both the passing and running games, if they could, like you said, limit the run game and, and make. Um, get get Cincinnati behind the chains. Then you could blitz those two. They've shown that they're they could be really good off the blitz. And you throw in Desan McCullough as well, um, who now you're stepping up, taking a step up in competition. Uh, but you know that the pass rush with with them three blitzing. Now you got to you got to get home, or or they're going to make plays. Yep. Uh, it could be very good. That's my matchup to watch. Are Indiana's linebackers, and I'll include Desan McCullough in there as well uh, against this um, the the Cincinnati offense. Whether it's the wide receivers, running backs, offensive line, tight ends, uh, whatever it is, I think Indiana's linebackers have to be the the start and the end of the defense uh, and make some plays, and they've they've done it all year. So um, you could expect that. Uh, TJ, what's your uh, keys to victory? Let's uh, start with key number one. Yeah. Yeah, I'm going to go with, and you can kind of simplify this and say red zone offense. But for me, uh, I, I kind of categorize things in scoring chance offense. And I, I go by when you get inside of the opponent's 35-yard line, um, kind of a green zone, if you will. Uh, and look, every every football analyst has their own little stat for this i'm not pretending to be an expert but uh i go by the opponent's 35 yard line i think that's when we have seen okay charles campbell's in range this is an opportunity for iu to get points when they enter the opponent's 35 yard line that's happened 21 times so far this year and by my math indiana has 10 touchdowns out of those 21 trips that's not good enough 10 out of 21 not in terms of scores but just touchdowns not good enough. Uh, they know it. Walt Bell took blame and responsibility for that this week at a press conference, uh, which, again, I, I, I know press conferences don't really matter and how guys perform, if you will, doesn't matter. But Walt Bell, I really enjoyed listening to him talk about Indiana football and about his offense and about kind of the game uh, within the game, which is his strategy. Um, I, I I think he's really impressive. Uh, and, and Walt Bell mentioned, you know, look, we're not doing well enough in those scoring chances. We've got to improve. We're working on it. And he's got some ideas for how to fix that. I think it needs to happen Saturday because when IU has a chance to get in the end zone, they have to find a way to do it. You cannot come up empty. You cannot settle for multiple field goals. When you get inside of that scoring zone, you've got to find a way to get seven. And um, I'm 
that's that's one that I'm pointing out as a key to the game because the margin for error is going to be small, and if Indiana boots away too many of those uh, those scoring chances, I don't see a path to victory. So you're saying Indiana has to score more points than Cincinnati to win? I think they do. I think they do have to score more points. Uh, so far, there's not been a coach to come up with an alternative way to win a football game. So, yeah. yep, that is uh, that is what I'm going with. Absolutely. Now, look, if they can get a ton of explosive plays and just bypass the scoring zone altogether, I'm all for that. That'd be great. Yeah, so, you know, speaking of the red zone, I, I take it into account as, okay, you're in the 20. You've got a shot at at seven points and that's the, the best you could do is whatever seven or eight points last week IU had seven trips in the red zone that's a shot at 49 points um they came away with 30 and that's just not good enough um that they, they had three field goals three touchdowns and a fumble the again the, the referees on the fumble I it was real close it might not actually have been real close it's probably a forward pass that takes you know three or seven points off the board but IU has too much talent too much size and mismatch talent to leave 19 points on the field um when you need every you're going to need every single point on on Saturday against Cincinnati but my uh my first key to the game is special teams play it's uh, you it's going to be huge uh, in this matchup, I think Indiana has the advantage in place kicking. Uh, Ryan Coe, Cincinnati's kicker, has only um, kicked four field goals this year, uh, and he's missed two of them. Um, yep. Which is not great. Uh, that is not a great percentage. Uh, so they have the advantage with Charles Campbell. But again, you can't just settle for field goals. Although, if you go back to last year, if you kick field goals instead of throwing interceptions and fumbling the ball in the red zone, you probably walk away with a win. Um, so yep. field goals are better than turnovers uh, and, and things like that. Uh, punting wise, Mason Fletcher uh, is averaging 48 yards per punt. He only punts three, uh, about three and a half times per game. So, you know, you probably give the edge to Cincinnati there. Although James Evans has been punting pretty well. Um, it, it's his first road game of the year. I want to see how he kicks on the road. Uh, Mason Fletcher is another Australian punter um, who, who's doing well. I think on kickoffs, you know, you, you give it to Ryan Coe. He has not kicked the ball out of bounds. Indiana, Chris Freeman is probably has his job up in the air. Two out of bounds. One, both led yeah. to scoring opportunities. One led to points. The other led to a missed field goal at the, at the buzzer. Um, yeah. So, you know, you can't give the, this team free yards by kicking it out of bounds. Uh, Co has 13 touchbacks on 22 kicks. So th there could be opportunities to return them. And this is where you kind of get excited about Jalen Lucas and Omar Cooper uh, back there for Indiana. I'm comfortable with both. And if you want to alternate, uh, if that's what KCT Garden wants to do, I'm fine with it. I know people love Jalen Lucas, but Omar Cooper had a big return. Yeah, it was wiped out by a, a block in the back, but he can move too. He, he's also a good athlete. Uh, punt returns, 
Trey, uh, Trey Tucker is very good. Uh, he he returned a, a 99-yard kickoff last year for Cincinnati that kind of turned the, the, the game on its head uh, against IU. He's he's going to be a weapon in, in both return games. So it, it's – while IU has an advantage on field goal kicking, um, Cincinnati has the advantage probably in the punt game. Uh, the return game seems very even. Uh, and it's, it's going to come down to – which team can execute on special teams, not turn the ball over, not have any misses, no miscues, no big penalties on returns and things like that, uh, because that those will turn the game on its head too. A muffed punt, a holding call on a big return that sets you up inside the tent, uh, things like that, roughing the kicker, missed field goal, block kicks. Those are all these things that IU has to win that battle uh, to win this game. Let's go to key number two, TJ, for you. I am going to go to the passing attack for the Hoosiers. Um, and I think it's Connor Bazelak uh, needs to have consistency with his accuracy. I, I think Bazelak has been pretty good so far this season. Um, I think you have to be obviously very pleased with his execution in pressure crunch time situations. Uh, he's been huge in those. Um, but, you know, those just too many passes have, for lack of a better term, sailed on him. He's just overthrowing guys, uh, but it's a little bit. I mean, he had a pass. Uh, just one example, you mentioned Barner earlier. Uh, it was just the seam route wide open in the middle of the field, like right at the 50. Barter slowed up a little bit. I, I don't know if he had a good read on that, but still, that pass was overthrown. Um, against better secondaries, those are going to turn into interceptions. And yep. Cincinnati is, is a secondary that could turn those overthrown passes into interceptions, pick sixes the other way. At the very least, it's missed opportunities for Indiana to, to move the chain. Um, so I'm going to go with, with Indiana's passing attack has got to be accurate, consistent, um, and that includes the receivers, you know, hauling in the passes that you do have a chance at. Uh, and since I, I don't know where I'm going to throw this in in our conversation, but um, I do want to point out how good Josh Henderson was on Saturday yep. against Western Kentucky. I thought, uh, you know, as a receiver out of the backfield, he had a couple of really nice plays, including a beautiful one-handed catch and run. Um, Ran the ball really well. I, I would not be surprised to see, uh, you know, a little bit closer to a 50-50 split between uh, Henderson and Shivers uh, on Saturday against Western Kentucky. Shivers has not been bad, uh, but but Henderson, you know, incredibly effective. And I think he's earned himself some more time. So um, would not mind seeing some creative packages with both of them on the field at the same time uh, as kind of a way to, to make up for losing one of your tight ends. Maybe you go to more two-back sets and see see what you can get done with that um, as a creative wrinkle that Cincinnati hasn't seen much of from you yet. Uh, but yeah, I, I'll go with, with Indiana's passing attack as kind of the overarching theme number two. Yeah, Josh Henderson played a, a fantastic game, and I think he's starting to stake a claim to, to running back number one. Um, he just has a little bit more wiggle and more power. 
uh, and is a bigger body than than Sean Shivers. Now Shivers, he just looks a little hesitant hitting the hole, um, and Henderson's more decisive. You're going to need both of them this week. Yeah. Uh, and yeah, I, yeah, you're right. I'd like to see them, you know, maybe use both of them. Uh, you put Donovan McCulley in there as well. Uh, and you could have a, a lot of options without having to substitute uh, and, and give the chance for Cincinnati to substitute. You know, that's the advantage of playing tempo is that you're, right. you're kind of, I, I forgot what drive it was, but Walt Bell got Western Kentucky into, I think it was the first touchdown drive, but he got them into a bad personnel matchup for the Hilltoppers and just exploited it all the way down the field. And that's right. what tempo does is that you don't give them a chance to, to, to substitute and get that, that package in um, that, that could combat, you know, the, the personnel that IU has in uh, now is there a downside to tempo? Yeah. If you go three and out, man, uh, it, it, it could turn into a long day, but you know, people who are worried about time and possession and all that stuff, if they're putting up points, it, it doesn't, it doesn't matter. Uh, you want them, you want IU to go fast. It gives them the advantage. You're not going to line up and just power and, and try and beat teams with your personnel. We saw that last year. It doesn't work. Uh, we saw it under Jerry Donardo. Didn't work then either. So, you know, at, at, at IU, you need to come up with a wrinkle or a system that's unique to them uh, and gives other coaches something to think about. And I think Walt Bell has done that. Uh, my second key to the game, uh, TJ, is going to be takeaways. Uh, it, it's going to be absolutely vital for Indiana's defense to get – I think the Tom Allen's goal is three takeaways a game. I think they need to hit that goal uh, in, in order to win, and you have to cash them in for points. Um, exactly. You know, you, you got to cash them in. If you could get three takeaways – and, and turn them into, you know, a couple touchdowns and a field goal. That's 17 points right there. You take the air out of the stadium a little bit. Um, you would like them to be a little bit closer to, to IU's end zone uh, and not have to wait in, until the goal line to, to make them. But uh, you take them when you could get them. I think that that's one area that IU struggled against Idaho in. And really for the first half against um, uh, against Western Kentucky, but there were chances for, for more takeaways uh, in the second half of that Western Kentucky game. Uh, also, Reed fumbled one at the goal line that just miraculously bounced right back to him, and then yeah. he fumbled another one when Noah Pierre came in for a sack. Uh, the ball was out. He ended up falling on top of it uh, on that, um, I believe it was the overtime drive. Uh, on the overtime yeah. drive, that could have been recovered. So you had four chances for takeaways. You got two of them, uh, but I think there should be more, uh, especially in the passing game. You you need to get some interceptions, and that's you know if teams are not going to throw at Tywin Mullen, uh, which I don't, it doesn't seem like they have all that much. They're going to have to deal with. You you hope that Jalen Williams could add to his interception total of six. Uh, for his career, which is the the active career leader, uh, get hands on balls like Bradley Jennings did at the goal line on Miles Jackson's uh, interception, and then you know just Cam Jones's motor because he he straight out caused that one fumble 
uh, that Miles Jackson recovered. I think getting an early takeaway will lead to more. And if they could do that, if you play well on special teams, score, you know, get touchdowns in the in the scoring zone, TJ, like you said, um, tackle the defenders and take the ball away, there, that's your recipe for an IU win. Uh, let's get into um, predictions before we get into final thoughts. Uh, what's your prediction for Saturday? Yeah, I do think that Indiana keeps this closer than the point spread. Uh, I do think that IU covers this game, but I don't think that they come out of there with the win. Um, you know, I, I know that some fans may see, oh, it's Cincinnati. They're not a power five team. Uh, this is a historically a really good program. They have an incredibly solid foundation, really good fan base, a lot of talent as evidenced by, um, you know, recruiting rankings, plus just the way that they develop guys, they get players to the NFL. I mean, look last year's NFL draft, and there's still a lot of guys that will be drafted in the future. Um, I'm going to give Cincinnati the win here, 31 to 23. I think the Bearcats uh, do a good enough job in Indiana kind of lacks in the red zone or scoring chance opportunities. I, I don't think that gets fixed this week enough for Indiana to come out of there with a victory. Uh, 31-23 in a, a pretty competitive game. I, I don't see this being a blowout uh, in favor of the Bearcats, but I do think they win comfortably enough. But again, hey, I love the optimism from people uh, that think Indiana is going to win. I see a path to victory for IU. I think that there is that opportunity there. Um, and I, I, I think it's really important to just try and keep in mind Indiana's done what they have to through the first three weeks. This becomes not a must win. IU does not have to beat Cincinnati in order to still keep their hopes of a bowl game alive. There are games down the line uh, that Indiana will be closer in the point spread than 17, where the experts think, hey, there's a better chance for IU to win this game than it is at Cincinnati. But I think the Hoosiers will have a chance, but come up short. Yeah, that's what I, I said last night on the round table was 31-20. I just, you know, it, it's a road game. We really don't know what IU team this is yet. Uh, you know, they've shown flashes of being kind of back to that 2020 team, but they've also shown flashes of 2021. Um, which team shows up against Cincinnati? We'll see. They can't get off to a slow start like they have. Uh, and you know, you just hope that they don't have to have another fourth quarter comeback. Look, if they do it, fantastic. Um, but yep. it's it's a game that I use. They're, they're, I thought I saw it at 16 and a half this morning. Um, it's a game that S&P Plus has them as a 22-point dog. Uh, but I think it's closer Whoa. than that. I, I think it's, it's a, you know, 10, 11-point game, maybe a one-score one game. Uh, as well, but 31, 20 Cincinnati pulls away late. Uh, it, it's you're right, going three and zero really helped this team. It didn't turn this into a must win. Uh, you know, there's no shame in losing to Cincinnati. They're going to be a power five team next year anyway. Um, happy they're coming off the schedule, but uh, you know, yep. as if I'm an IU fan and Indiana goes down there and plays their tails off and comes up just short, I'm okay with that, especially going into Nebraska. 
because um, I think the key here is you split the next two. If you split the next two, you are in great shape uh, going forward, sitting at four and one uh, with the rest of the schedule, just needing two wins for bowl eligibility, which I think that I think that they find if, if you could get to four and one, uh, you could find two wins in the schedule um, down the road. But that's what the great thing about college football is. You never know. Um, crazy things have been happening all year. Um, and maybe Saturday's another crazy day. Uh, that's that's what makes this silly sport so great. Uh, anyway, TJ, thanks for joining us. Um, it's been awesome breaking down games with you. Hopefully we have another victory uh, podcast next week. Any final thoughts on the game? Not looking forward to it. Uh, this team has just been a lot of fun to watch. Stressful, for sure. Definitely stressful, but a lot of fun to watch. They're battling. Uh, you know, they're, they're really fighting. Uh, we had an article up on the site about, you know, this team showing character, showing grit. Those are buzzwords, but I mean, you can see it on the field. Like those guys have not given up in any of these three games, believing they've got a chance to pull that out and finding a way to do so. Um, it's a pleasant change from what we've seen historically from Indiana football, not suggesting this is some sort of sea change that's around forever. But I do think it's you know worthwhile and important to enjoy when it does happen. Uh, it's been a fun three and0 start. Um, hopefully the rest of this season continues to be enjoyable. They're not all going to be wins. We know that. Uh, yeah. but if the team keeps fighting like this, I'm going to keep enjoying watching. Yeah, it's you know they're the the cardiac kids right now. Uh, and it's been exciting. Hopefully uh, it keeps it up, uh, especially if they win. Uh, again, Indiana and Cincinnati kicks off at 3.30 p.m. on Saturday at Nippert Stadium in Cincinnati, and it will be televised on ESPN2. Uh, thanks for joining us. You can come back to HoosierHuddle.com all week uh, for updates on, on the game, uh, as well as analysis and other things. Check out our YouTube page as well for the roundtable we had with J.T. Smith last night, uh, a writer from the uh, front office sports and uh for cincinnati uh that and follow us on twitter at hoosier underscore huddle anyway have a great rest of the week enjoy the college football games coming up they start thursday they end late saturday night Uh, it's going to be a great time some people just know there's a better way to do things like bundling your home and auto insurance with allstate or hiring someone to move your piano instead of doing it yourself So, do things the better way. Bundle home and auto and save up to 25% with Allstate. Bundled savings vary by state and are not available in every state. Saving up to 25% is the countrywide average of the maximum available savings off the home policy. Allstate Vehicle and Property Insurance Company and Affiliates, Northbrook, Illinois.